episode 87 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week's guest, we're chatting to the wonderful Jules Sampson. Now, Jules created her retreat company, Reclaim Yourself, in 2005, and she's been designing and leading global retreats ever since. She's an industry pioneer with a passion for finding locations where retreats don't usually happen and building innovative, transformational trips in remote paradise locations, all from scratch. Reclaim Yourself is now one of the leading retreat companies in the UK, running sold out trips that feature regularly in the press. Now, I've been on a few of Jules' retreats now, and I can absolutely vouch for the epicness of them. Jules is just so passionate about what she does. She pays such attention to detail. She puts her heart and soul into creating these beautiful transformational experiences for people, which is obviously why they're so successful. So in this episode, we chat about what motivates people to actually go on retreats, Jules's retreat formula, which has been very refined, and also her retreat fails, managing boundaries and balance, advice to yoga teachers wanting to start their own retreats, the impact impact of the pandemic on Jules, both on a personal level and in business, what Jules herself does for self-care, and so much more. We love the episode. We hope that you do too. And if you did enjoy it, please subscribe, share where you can, help us spread these conversations far and wide. And a cheeky little review wouldn't go amiss either. Thank you so much. We so appreciate you taking the time to listen. And before we dive in, both Adam and I are running trainings. So Adam is running a 200-hour yoga teacher training starting very soon in May with the amazing Mia Togo, who is one of my incredible teachers, and Michael Wong, also an epic teacher. What a dream team. It'll be an amazing training. You can find out more on adamhustler.com. And I'm actually running two Crystal Bowl Sound Healer trainings. Uh, One is at Try Yoga in Camden in June and the other one is online so if you're nowhere near London you can join me online if you choose and just head to my website which is hollyhustler.com for all of the information on that and last but not least I have an album out it's called Luminous Shadow and it's on Spotify and all music platforms it's mostly my own material there's a cover there are some mantras on there perfect for shavasana if you're a yoga teacher lots of crystal bowls weave through the tracks for some extra healing for you so go and check it out luminous shadow thank you so much guys enjoy the episode honestly unbalanced when people think of yoga treats i think people often if they're not in the yoga world already they think it's like i think a hippie silent retreat where everyone is kind of like meditating for an hour all morning and it's full of vegan food uh, and that's what they might think a yoga retreat is and you need to be really good at yoga and really into yoga to go on a yoga <laughs> retreat on the other end of the th- scale though i think a lot of people might think a yoga retreat is just going to uh, a yoga retreat center and just doing yoga and then maybe like reading some books in your free time but i guess what you offer to reclaim yourself is very different to that like i found that people actually go with you to countries that are kind of like bucket list countries like the iceland india and they're choosing to go on this once in a lifetime adventure potentially once in a lifetime as part of a yoga retreat and that might seem quite odd to some people and i wish you could kind of like talk to that a little bit about why people choose to combine those two things together Hmm. (laughs) brilliant first question adam um Going back just slightly, do you really think that people 
still think that yoga retreats are like hippies sitting around on drums because I don't. Most people not, not the drugs bit. But... Me I think she said it. drums. Oh, drums. Oh, drums. <laughs> <laughs> no drums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you went there, Adam. But basically, I find that when people are, if I tell people what I do for a living, they go, oh, oh yeah, I've always wanted to go on a yoga retreat, but I just think everyone's just going to be an amazing yogi and that it's just for people that are really good at yoga. So I think people think it's not that it's like hippy-dippy soft kind of place, but actually that they're quite challenging and that everyone just goes there to do loads of yoga. And what I always say is that, yeah, we have yoga on our retreats and I work with really amazing, really good yoga teachers. So you are going to do lots of yoga, but you really don't have to be good at it. You can just go there and enjoy it. But a retreat isn't just yoga. A retreat is a whole process. Um, And you guys know this because you've been on loads that it's a combination of where you are who's on the team, the food you eat, the yoga you do, the activities you do, the massages you have, whether you spend an afternoon soaking in a hot tub looking at mountains or you're out horse riding. Like a retreat is all of those things together and that's what makes it a retreat. And I've always thought that ever since I started. So I always find it a bit strange that other retreats are not like that. But I think that when I created Reclaim Yourself, I wasn't living in the UK. So... I was living in Tanzania and people did amazing adventurous things all the time when they went on holiday in Tanzania. So I just kind of created it with that in mind. You know, we're in Zanzibar, we're going to do this. We're going to go on safari, we're going to do that. So my background has always been that there's going to be adventures in an amazing place with an amazing team. And I guess in terms of who you attract then to your retreats, because... Again, that question remains, why do you think people choose to combine? Because most of the people you get are into yoga. They are yogis that are into yoga. Yeah. And what? And I guess there are people who are into adventure as well and you know exploring the world. But what, because of course, you know, going to these exotic locations are expensive, uh, you know, depending, you know, depending on which, which place you go to. So what makes you think people want to combine those two things together? Like that if they're going to India, they wouldn't mm. just rather go on their own tour with their family but they're going with you, with a group of strangers, potentially. Mm. What makes people actually willing to do that? Because people are, clearly, and uh, there is a desire for that. Well, I think it's the whole, it's wellness travel, isn't it? Like, before the pandemic, I would say that people had several holidays a year. So Mm. they would have maybe, like, a family holiday, a girls' weekend, a boys' weekend, um, and then they'd have their me time, retreat so often people come on retreats on their own to get away from everyone that they know and it's like this is what I'm doing for myself I need to look after myself I'm burnt out I'm busy I'm doing too much this is my time so I think that people see retreats as that that's the time they look after themselves so the whole Mm. the yoga the healthy food all of that is their main purpose for coming And then, you know, there's lots of different retreat companies out there. Why people choose to come with us is they think, look, I want to do something that's really good for me. And I've always wanted to go to that place. So amazing. I can do both. Mm. So a lot of people, when they email me, say, oh, my God, I've just seen your retreat in Japan or Namibia. I've always wanted to go there and I can do it healthily. Great. So that's the combo, I think, that attracts people. Do you ever go on a retreat for yourself? 
and, and like as a little <laughs> retreat spy to do your own research or or even just to you know, maybe not for a spy own, just to relax a retreat spy or just to relax yeah <laughs> if you have time no no i haven't been on a retreat for so long for so long and i don't know if i could go and enjoy it would I not just be sitting there going, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that? Or, oh, that's a really good idea. Like, I think I'd just be a nightmare. I was actually talking on Instagram to another woman who runs uh, retreats. And she said to me, oh, I'd love to come on one of your retreats. And I said, oh, don't you think that you'd be like my worst nightmare because you run retreats and you, you'll just come and be judging me? And she said, yeah, I think I'd have to come undercover. And, yeah. I, and I think that's what I'd have to do as well. <laughs> because if people ask you what you do and then you say, oh, I run retreats and you're on somebody else's retreat, then they're going to be like, oh, what do you think of this? And mm-hmm. So, it's no, yeah. I haven't. <laughs> I don't don't even think I find it relaxing. And I kind of feel like for my holiday and my relaxation, I want to do something completely different. Like all-inclusive all in Magaluf. Mag- Magaluf? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there could be an argument as well that it, it would kind of potentially corrupt your idea of what you do. So what I mean by that is that if you're teaching yoga, let's say, you should probably go to other yoga classes to kind of see what other people do and see what they're doing, etc. But at the same time, if what you're doing works really well and people like it, if you then, if I went to like loads of different classes a week, all teaching the same style of yoga, unless I was really strong in what I knew I was doing, that might actually slightly make me feel insecure or kind of make me think everything I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. So there, there, there might be an argument as well as if it's not broke, don't fix it and try and get your your inspiration and stimulation from sources outside of that world as in like people that run safaris or people that are photographers just different people that aren't doing the exact same business as you yeah i i think you're right i think you're right that can easily happen that happens to me even if i go on instagram Mm. I go and see what other people are doing, and I, and I suddenly get an inferiority thing of like, oh, they're doing it so much better than me. And it does, it's not helpful, is it? It's not helpful. I do have like a small network of people who are my friends and my peers that run retreats, and we talk sort of you know every couple of months we jump on a zoom which is something that happened during the pandemic um none of them are based in the uk um but i like we just get on zoom and we talk about how they run their retreats and we do bounce ideas off each other so i do get ideas from other people but it's done in a very sort of constructive way rather than attend and and also those people have invited me to attend their retreats which is lovely and I, I just can't fit it in. I can't fit it in. And the same thing, I still don't think I would find it relaxing, but it is nice to be invited. But we do sit and brainstorm and say, yeah, but I would do that after that. Mm. And it's, a lot of it's around retreat design and who, um, who, who shall I stop? No, 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 keep oh. going. Adam's just answering the door. I'll hold oh. the fort. Keep going. Oh, I <laughs> yeah oh excellent a delivery i think it's mine as well um, free people yeah sorry carry on <laughs> holly, holly just loves to buy holly's <laughs> Do you a know buyer what? that's not true oh, sorry oh, oh no, 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 not, i'm sorry non-carbon you, i don't think so no i rarely buy myself clothes it's food i spend all my money on food and also clothes for sunny that that is something for me but it's also for work so put it down this is jules <laughs> podcast <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Jules. I would just like to say, I'm not taking sides, but 
The one time I have been to your house, there were several deliveries and they were all for Adam. I'm just saying. Oh, there we go, Team Holly. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Thank um, you, Jules. I was just saying, come on, let's get back on track here, guys. <laughs> Um, Oh, I do talk to other people who run retreats, but we often talk about retreat design Mm. where we kind of geek out on the design process of like, oh, so after you've done that, what do you do? Do you take them here and how do people feel? So we kind of do a lot of brainstorming around the the journey of people on a retreat about the guest journey and and how they feel on certain days. Mm. So I really enjoy those kind of chats, Mm. but it's more kind of designy geeky rather than Mm. where you're going and what you're doing. So you're obviously at a point where you've done a lot of trial and error, a lot of tweaking to make it not perfect, because obviously it's never perfect, but just to get your retreats at a really amazing place. Would you be open to telling us about a big earlier retreat fail? <laughs> oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> One that sticks out. This is called Honesty on Balance. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, look, so last year um, we ran 22 retreats. So obviously oh the pandemic, which we haven't really talked about yet, is um, was really a disaster for my business. And mm. in 2020, I went run ran two retreats. And in 2021, around four retreats. So everything was put on hold. And then in 2022, we ran 22 retreats, which is unheard of. And I won't do it again. It was just, (laughs) I had to run all these retreats that had been postponed and everyone had been, you know, patiently, wonderfully waiting and just left their money with me. And so I had to deliver those retreats plus all the other ones. So we just went into, right, let's just do this. So running 22 retreats. Uh, in the first year past post the pandemic when supply chains were broken everywhere everywhere we went things that were promised weren't delivered it was not easy so out of the 22 retreats that I ran last year not all of them were brilliant but that's just kind of how it goes and I'm I'm not gonna say a particular retreat because you know it's just not fair on the people that were hosting it and the people that like attended it but we had like horrendous weather that wiped out pretty much an entire schedule. And that's happened to me. We had this in Iceland before the pandemic. We had the weather was so bad that half the guests, their flight landed in Reykjavik and they couldn't get off the plane because it was so, there was a storm and they missed their connecting flight. And then there was so much chaos that they turned up for a five day retreat on day three without their luggage. And like that just destroyed the whole retreat. Everyone, you know, we did our best to make everyone have a nice time. And we had that last year as well. Like the weather just completely messed up an entire retreat. And what can you do about that? Mm. It's just so difficult. So there's things like that. I mean, we had another retreat last year where the venue, we were the like the first people to go there at the beginning of the season. They were still building. And there was like construction going on Mm. why the retreat was happening and I had amazing Amanda who does like body work breath work really powerful things sending me a message going the builders are in the room next to me drilling and shouting can you ask them to stop and I'm having to run around and go please stop and then the managers are saying we've got to finish that villa when can we do it (laughs) Ah, and the chefs had 
arrived the chef that was there the year before that had cooked all this amazing food had left and the new chefs arrived the day before us and were told this is the menu that you've got to cook and they had no idea and the food for the first couple of days was just it wasn't what we promised everyone it wasn't yogi food the chefs were like in so much distress because they couldn't they were brand new the supply chains weren't working they couldn't get half the food so there's always things like that happening. Mm. So when you talk about fails, there's some of the retreats I did last year that I came back and just went, oh, my God. But actually, pretty much every single one of them, people that were on those retreats that I didn't think went well, have rebooked. <gasps> oh, well, there you go. And then. I think a lot of it is we as the team, we're holding it yeah. tight. And just owning it and yeah. just saying that this there's nothing. Some people are completely unforgiving and they're like, I've given you my money. This is not good enough mm. and I'm really not happy. And other people can go, this is out of everyone's control. And I appreciate that you're trying to handle it as well mm. as you can. You guys are great. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how do you, how, <laughs> how do you manage hard. how do you manage expectations of people on retreats? Because I guess every and that. If someone is just booking a holiday, of course, there'll be a variety of expectations, but there's only one real component. People just, food and place is all they're really thinking about. When it's on a retreat, they have expectations of the yoga, of the way it will make them feel, the activities, the location, the amazing foods that's been sold, the massage that's been part of it, uh, the magical experience in an amazing location. Like, How would you manage expectations? I guess people will come <laughs> with quite a variety. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, we do quite a lot of work before people come. So they can like look at the website and of- often people will look at the website and make an assumption about the retreat. And then when they book, they get like quite a comprehensive email from me to- giving them more information and giving them opportunities to ask questions. And we look up after people like often people say oh I just felt so looked after from the minute I booked because it's not like a cold process where they just get auto replies there's me replying to them and then they get a welcome pack so our welcome packs are like really special we spend a lot of time researching they're like 20 page documents that we send to people two months before they come and in there there's lots of detail so that the schedule's in there there's information about the yoga the yoga teacher the menus in there there's a description of all the activities if there are any what's included what's extra how much it's going to cost what the massages are like and then there's also a section now on the location and the people there so you know if you're going to iceland there'll be like i've just been doing the japan one i'm so proud of it because that's our next retreat there's three pages in there about japanese culture and etiquette because there's a lot to know so that people are if they read it they've got a lot of information that will help them prepare and know what they're coming into but there will always be at least two or three people that rock up and they literally read that on the plane Mm. (laughs) so they've got no idea what they're coming to and for some people that is totally fine they're well traveled they've been on retreats before they just turn up and they're like great and for other people they turn up and go oh my god this is not what i was expecting um and then it's our job isn't it to work together to manage that um and i think that's a core part of what a retreat is that us as a team 
we are managing people's expectations and helping them along that journey because like when you arrive on a retreat you're in one state and when you leave you're in a different state and usually it's a positive outcome and there might be a bit the beginning where people are like oh no I like a lot of people I think don't think about the fact that a retreat is a group experience mm-hmm. and they see themselves in the yoga class with Adam Hustler or snowshoeing through Finland they imagine all those amazing things but what they forget is they're going to be with the same group of people mm-hmm. for the whole time mm-hmm. and for some people they don't want to be with a group and so that nature of a group, and sometimes you get groups that are like mini families and it's wonderful. And mm. other times people don't gel as much. And I find that some people kind of get there and they're sitting there on the first evening looking around going, oh no, <laughs> what have I let myself in for? <laughs> but I think by the time they've been to the first yoga class, by the time they've had their first meal, they've chatted to me or whoever's like leading the retreat, they start to kind of go, oh, these guys are okay. And our job is just to get people to, like, you're here, it's your journey, it's your experience. You're the person that decides whether you're going to like it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. let go of your expectations and just go for it. And I I think that the way that we lead our retreats and the way that everyone, you know, when you teach yoga, it's all about, you know, here you are, be present, what are you going to do with this? Mm. So I think that whole, it's a brilliant question, actually, because managing expectations is helping people to kind of let go of them, isn't it? Mm. And you've, I guess you've got to do the same for yourself. I mean, you're, t- you're helping other people to let go of expectations and, you know, enjoy the experience. But you need to sort of practice that for yourself as well as the person running the retreat, I suppose. Yes. And that's something like last year doing those 22 retreats was a massive learning curve for me. Being, it was such a tough year in so many ways, so much travel, so many people. And I started off the year, like when I do my speech at the beginning, I always, I used to say, <clears throat> I'm here to make sure that you have the best possible retreat you could ever have. Anything you need, I'm here for you. Just ask me. Because I wanted people to feel really welcomed and really safe and that I'm here. By the end of the year, I wasn't saying it quite as, plainly as this but it's like you're here to make sure that you have the most amazing experience and I'm here to facilitate it mm. and I had to let go of the fact that not everyone is going to have an amazing time especially after what everyone's been through for the last few years some people have come with a lot of stuff to process and they might not seem like they're enjoying the retreat and then they get home and send me an email going I found that quite challenging but now I feel amazing so I've kind of let go of this thing that everyone has to be totally happy and loving a retreat the whole time. That we can, can, can create that container and then the rest is up to them. The, the group dynamic thing is really interesting because I think we're in a bit of a bubble where we're constantly meeting new people, doing what we do and exposing new people and working in different groups. And often where when we're in a group, we have a particular role, like the retreat teacher it's completely comfortable speaking to a group because I have a defined role within that. But I'm trying to imagine if Mm -hmm. I didn't, like if I wasn't so familiar with that kind of dynamic and I went on a retreat just alone as myself, how I would feel, would I want to speak? I don't know, like, would I want to speak to people? You wouldn't want to speak to anyone, would you? Yeah, because I'm not really, uh, I'm not that social. (laughs) I'm I'm a situational (laughs) extrovert, but kind of on, I, I, I love chatting to Uber drivers, 
But in that kind of group context, I just wonder. Like, it would be a really unfamiliar thing for me, even now, to be in a group of strangers where I don't have a defined role. Would be quite interesting. I feel exactly the same. Oh, really? Because obviously, when I'm on retreat, I have, yeah, I have obviously, I have a defined role. I'm the leader. Mm. Like, I know what, and I'm really confident in that role. But I often think, God, if I went on a retreat and I was in a group, would I have any friends? What would it, how would it be? It's not, you know, some people are absolutely fine in that, aren't they? But Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. I do think that. Um, when you you can't control group dynamics and some people are just naturally confident, friendly, at ease. And if you've got a lot of those in a group, it's very easy. <clears throat> but you're definitely not going to have a whole group of people like that. And, you, you know, sometimes you get, you know, a group of friends that come and then you kind of get like, divisions in the group. Um, natural divisions where people kind of only or people find each other so you don't necessarily have an entire group that all get on I do think the yoga classes really help with that Mm. you know that twice a day in a room on your mat doing practice together it just settles people and a a different dynamic happens Mm. after they've been in class together I think I think the, the workshoppy ones help as well like when I'm on retreat with you I make sure I do workshop style classes all my classes are kind of workshop yeah more specific and then people talk and people open up and people ask questions and have a bit and and it depends on teaching style like for me i tend to have a bit of a laugh with people at times uh or laugh at people with your dad Uh, yes your 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 jokes are legendary adam (laughs) but then but it does it does slightly break the ice and then you know the moment people start taking the piss out of me in the room then they kind of are more comfortable with each other and they've heard each other's voices yeah. and there's, some, there's something nice that comes. What I would say about pe- the people that come on the retreat <laughs> is it depends on the ret- on the retreat style. Like some studios run retreats you know, by their head teacher. Mm-hmm. And if it's a small studio, you'll probably know everyone anyway because you see them each week. Yeah. But you know, for bigger retreats like this with perhaps bigger name teachers, uh, I think what you can have faith in to some degree is that Everyone, in some sense, resonates with the location, the style of retreat, mm-hmm. and the teacher. And yeah, there's going to be some common, uh, some common commonality with with the retreaters because of those three things, because they all have similar choices in teacher, <laughs> in location, and with coming. They to might not know you though as a teacher. They might not know, but they will have seen. You know what you do a good job is is trying to make people if they don't know the teacher as aware of possible of the style. Like you will share videos of yeah. the teacher and a good, a good bio, et cetera, advise them to come to classes, which is now really easy with yeah. online yoga. People can very easily yeah, turn up yeah. to classes. So it, there, there is something there that, that does unify people to some degree. I think so. But you, you do get, you know, some people, we get lots of returning guests, which is nice. And people that have kind of met each other on retreats that then all go on the same retreat together. But there's always some people that come on a retreat that have never been before, don't know you, don't know me. And and we call them randoms. And <laughs> they are just like fresh, lovely people coming on board. And, you know, 9.5 times out of 10, they absolutely love it and then become part of that family too. Um, so I think there are also people that don't know what they're getting into. Mm. Um, um, but I do think there's lots of things that happen on a retreat that help people bond. 
How there's that, that whole sense of being part of a family or being part of a small community, yeah. like doing something that's either quite challenging or quite annoying or, you know, in, in yoga, they bond. Um, they, they all come out of yoga and start having big chats, oh, you know, if they've had a really that. good class. Mm. You know, like, listen to people at breakfast saying, oh, I saw you doing your so you've changed yeah. your down dog. Like, that was brilliant. You know, people are like really encourage each other sometimes after a really inspiring class. <laughs> or you like you go yoga? out some... You've changed your down dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've what literally heard about? someone say that. <laughs> I literally heard someone say that. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Like, I love oh, that. you've changed your... They're talking about their back. Okay. Yeah. Not being straight or yeah. straight. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, people, not everyone's a super yogi, Adam. Yeah. And they're talking like in the technical way that you do. You're very technical. Some people are not yogis and yeah. they feel intimidated and then they come. And then those people bond because they're not sitting they're talking about their advanced practice mm. they're talking about oh you did something really well mm. Mm. is what That's i'm trying nice. to say <laughs> like huh? i don't know you know i'm just you know but also if, you know if you go out like we went out once in greece out on a boat oh my god that we went out on a speedboat we thought we were going to go like poddling out on some nice boat we went out a speedboat and we were like flying over the waves and what it was just <laughs> like two or three people at the front of the boat going yeah everybody else was holding on for dear life going <laughs> and, it, and like at the time i was like oh god this is a disaster when we got back and we were safely on land everyone who was on that boat was like crying with laughter Aww. and bonding over it and it was like we got through it we survived so, so nice. i think there's always those things that help group dynamics as walks well. are really i think walks are really good as well i think walks are a lovely way to get yeah. people to chat because you naturally just chat to the person who happens to be with you in that moment don't you mm. yeah i think walks are yeah good. i think on any retreat a walk is nice early on Jules, how do you manage? Yeah, we love a bit of yeah. How do you manage boundaries? Because obviously, you you said well, close to the beginning, you wanted to make sure everyone has a really good time. So I imagine that people would maybe come to you with problems, and then you mm. sort of find yourself having to be someone's therapist. So how do you manage that? Oh, um, I kind of don't have to think about that. I just do it naturally now. Um, it's a massive part of the job. It, it's quite. Um, <clears throat> what I find more challenge, the most challenging part of the job is that you're looking after people who might want to talk to you and share stuff, but at the same time, I'm looking, I'm looking after everybody, and doing all the logistics mm -hmm. and making sure the team are okay. So I might be like sitting having breakfast, and someone is telling me some big stuff, and then I really want to get into a big conversation. And someone's going, Jules, the minibus is here. What should I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, so it's quite hard, actually, for me to find the time to chat to people. Mm. Even, you know, I find if I try and sit down at a meal and have chats with people, I'll always get interrupted. So I'm quite often not the person that ends up having those deep chats. And it's other people in the team that tend to be in that situation. But um, having boundaries in my job, with everybody is so important mm. um <clears throat> i'm just trying to think how do i manage it i just kind of do it oh a question could be an extended very... question of that is how do you manage your team and make sure they stick to their boundaries <laughs> and i guess someone could make boundaries as in 
you know you could get a yoga teacher that is borderline trying to do psychotherapy without any qualification you could get a a <coughs> kitchen member uh, of the of the cook of the cooking team uh who is trying to like flirt with someone i'm not saying i'm not saying any of these has, has happened but there are multiple ways in which boundaries could be crossed professionally like how would you how would you manage that yeah i mean it's i think it's kind of down to who who are the people on your team really and being really careful about who who i recruit who's on the team everyone on the team has a, a contract you see my contracts they're quite comprehensive everyone has a job description we have a values we have a code a code of ethics so we have all of that in place um, and when i'm recruiting and training people all of that is very much part of it if on a retreat uh, it, it seems that they're not sticking to it. I have to talk to them. And sometimes that can be a really uncomfortable conversation, but it's so important that the container of a retreat is kept safe and that everyone on there knows that all the information about them is get, is kept safe and that everyone is doing their job really well. It's so important, professionalism. So I normally will have a meeting at the beginning of a retreat and at the end of the retreat and I personally make sure that each different section of my team I meet with them every day <clears throat> I used to try and have team meetings every day oh my god just impossible because everyone's doing different things at different times so you know in the morning I will always check in with the yoga teacher before they teach and I will have checked in with a lot of the guests and seen how they slept and, and if there's any information that's come to light I will confidentially have a chat with the yoga teacher and let them know oh, this person said they had really bad nightmares last night or everyone's a bit tired and grumpy this morning or everyone's just really energized and just sort of feed that in to the teacher and then while everyone's in yoga i'll always go to the kitchen and have a chat with the, the chefs see where they're at what they're doing what their plans are check in with them so if there was anything happening with anyone those would be the times that i would check in and say hey guys yesterday i noticed that this happened can we just talk about it? And like, I really don't want that to happen again. What do we need to, you know? So I, I kind of work with people quite closely. You know, when we're serving breakfast, I will then have a chat maybe with a the massage therapist. You know, what have you got on today? Who's coming? Like, how are you feeling? So I, I have lots of ways of checking in with people. And so if I see anything that's not working, I'll work, I'll sort it out that way in a one-to-one Thing and just bring everyone back to the fact that we are there to look after our guests and make sure that they're having like the best time but also that we're all being professional cool i was just going to say do you maybe this is a weird question but do you manage to ever have sort of conscious moments where you get to relax and enjoy the retreat or are you are you always full on do you know do you sort of say to yourself before this is a place that i've been wanting to go to forever i'm going to take you know an hour to myself where i go and do x y and z or is it just constant work uh, it's, it's definitely constant work i never have an hour to myself but uh, um, it, it's the kind of job that you start we start work at six in the morning and if like try and get into bed by 11 just to get a decent amount of sleep to be able to do the next day and constantly on through that entire day um and <clears throat> i'm fine with that that's the job but i always have a moment 
on a retreat. And I mean, <laughs> Adam, I don't know, quite often I cry in that moment. Oh. I just have a moment and go, oh my God, look where we are. Oh. It, it just be, it doesn't even need to be like a, an amazing moment. There's just the moment where it suddenly hits me like, we're here, we're doing it. Look, everyone's having a great time. The team are happy. Like the guests are happy. Or like if we've got like a local team, it could just be a moment where we're all together. And I'm just like, oh, I love this. I really love this. So I do have those moments, it's but it's not like I've gone off for an hour and I'm meditating and going, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't have any time for that. This is, I guess I'm in this headspace at the moment. I'm reading lots of kind of both productivity books and, uh, and I guess life improvement books to some degree. Uh, and, and a big thing is the power of that taking that little tiny break whether that be you know you take an hour break and that makes you more productive afterwards whether it be just to appreciate where you are uh, there is an argument like I've always heard that you know if you want deep work you have to commit and if you like to many hours and if you break that mm. then it takes you an hour to get back into the work again but then I read yesterday you know another study which was, I forget the numbers and times, but what they were saying was when you're doing deep work of any kind or you're deep into something, they were, they were saying there's two types of work. There's one where you're in that moment and you're <clears> dealing <throat> with stuff, but then there's also value in the digestion of it and the processing and then the creation of ideas and the creation of solutions. Mm. And you need to be able to step away from the direct work to actually process what you've just done. So actually... Yeah. Their argument is this, for the better quality work, you need to make sure you are stepping away from the direct work at times. And so, like, I wonder, like, on a, on a, you know, I've been on many retreats with you, whether, although it seems, like, logistically impossible initially, is there a chance that, you know, you could potentially make it happen where you have an hour to just walk, let's say. <laughs> no, like, like an hour, so to walk, you, have, you know, no, no, so you, you, you pick a good time for it, an hour for it just to walk, and then process, and it could be like processing, just acknowledging where you are and how nice that is. But it could be like problem solving. It <laughs> could like, be no. no, but it could be the moments where you get inspiration for future retreats, etc. I wonder if, the, although it seems like there is a short term cost to that, could there be actually long term <clears throat> mental value and actually work value and productivity value in that kind of thing? Although it might seem really weird, because I know how you busy, busy you are on retreats, and I know that sometimes you haven't got a support team around you to deal with the boring stuff. Um, a question or a statement find a question in there coaching yeah (laughs) i i I think that i do that between retreats Mm. i definitely there's a a process there's like that kind of internal debrief when i finish a retreat i need to spend time on my own like I'm, i'm i'm an extrovert so normally i get my energy from other people and talking through problems and ideas I love that. But after a retreat, I need time on my own to process. And and that is the time where I think I learn and think. Because when you're in it, it's like, oh, that didn't go well. And then afterwards, I'll sit and think, the reason that didn't go well is for that. And I need to let that go. Or that I can change next time. So I do do that work. But I don't think I do it when I'm on a retreat. But I can try. I think it's a great suggestion. Next retreat we go on, I'm going to enforce are... that. In force. <laughs> right, you're in charge then while I go away. God help everyone. <laughs> I do have, you know, obviously there's three or four hours a day when everyone's in yoga and I'm not there. Mm. So I have time, but I'm not 
I don't go off for a walk in that time. I'm normally with the team or eating Oh, myself. just all drinking. Oh. I've caught you drinking many times. <laughs> down. In fact, I found you in the corner with three bottles of wine around you. <laughs> No, joking. That hasn't happened, listeners. Doing That's... shots at breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell everyone my secrets. No, but I do have time away from people during the retreat. But I can't say that I'm off doing a walk. But I am sitting quietly, so it's not constant, constant, constant. Um, and I need that time. Like people say, "Oh, you're not going to do the yoga," and I'm just thinking, "Oh my god, I just can't do any more. Mm. I need that time." So, but yeah, I'll try it. Let's try it. What, See would what happens? You, what would you say to someone? So let's say it's a yoga teacher, and then maybe they've done a retreat with like the kind of company where you go and they give you free accommodation, and you had to teach one class a day, mm. and that's that's how they work. You know, they're an unnamed teacher, as it were, yeah. on a retreat. And what advice would you give for a teacher that wants to start their own retreat, like a yoga teacher that wants to do a retreat? What do they need to consider? Because they might be listening to this thinking, oh my God, I need a cookery team. I need to do this. I need to like constantly manage expectations of people, et cetera. And <laughs> you know, there are levels, you know, this is something, you know, we're talking to someone yeah. who's owned a company and they've been doing it for many years and, you know, amazing locations that are well-researched. There's, there's, you know, there's lots in between where you are, where they are now and that. So what would you say could be a nice first step for them? And what do they need to consider before they sort out a retreat? Oh, good question. Have you seen my new retreat creators business, Adam? <laughs> I don't even know if you've seen it, but we're actually doing plug, plug, doing exactly that. But no, um, I would say that uh, if you're thinking about doing a retreat, obviously you want to know that you've got some students that are going to come with you and they actually want to go because it's really important that you have your guests because lots of people kind of put, have an idea that they want to do a retreat and then they stumble around selling it. So they put it together and it's really exciting, but then they don't sell it. So it's like, have you got a group of people that want to come with you on a retreat? And then your next thing is you need to find where are you going to do it? Are you going to do your own retreat and find your own location? Are you going to work for a retreat company? Uh, or are you going to see if someone offers you an opportunity to teach for them, say, at a hotel, something like that? So work out what kind of retreat that you want to do. And then, so, you know, if you're going to do your own retreat, go and find the venue. You've got to do a budget. You've got to work out, you know, it's not that easy to make a profit out of a retreat, you know, especially if you're doing it in the UK, um, you know, finding out the cost of the venue, checking out what all the other costs are going to be, and then making sure you can make a profit. And what's your, your break even? You know, I need 10 people on this retreat in order for me to get paid X amount. Knowing that before you start, I think is really important. So you know it's going to work financially, you know it's going to work practically, and then you can invite people very confidently, knowing what they're coming to. And then I think, you know, you can do it that you rent an empty house and then get yourself, it's you the teacher, you get your chefs, maybe you get a massage therapist, and you create the whole thing from scratch, which is quite often what we do not always and that is wonderful because you get to like create the whole thing and it's all yours but it's also quite hard because you've got to bring everybody on board or you can book a retreat center where they do the food everything's set up for you you just turn up with your guests um that's a much easier way to do it um but you're probably doing the same thing that many many other people are doing so you've got to be sure that you've got 
enough people that want to do that and they're going to choose you. That would be my first start. I could talk about this for ages, but it's, you know, find out where, what kind of retreat you're going to do and where. And from there, and then, I mean, in terms of managing guests, managing people, I think you, you just go with the flow. Once mm. you've got everybody, you've got your schedule together, it's, it comes naturally, especially if you're a teacher. I think it comes naturally mm. to look after mm-hmm. people, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. But just getting those foundations in, I think, is so important. It's really one, helpful. One thing to note, I think, as well, is just being away, there isn't like an opportunity cost. Like just being away from your normal work, depending on one where you mm. work and what you do you know some people are just traveling teachers some people will you know, by being away you you lose the opportunity to earn 700 pound from just your normal classes or whatever what on your private yeah. whatever that might be so there is a cost to that and you know i've experienced that even you know, recently where you know, i've been offered uh something at like a five-star hotel and i would teach uh i don't need to spend any money mm. but i just supply yoga services but i get a free holiday uh and mm-hmm. i if if i sell things i i can choose the price it's sold for my yoga stuff but i'm like actually that's a lot of effort for not potentially that much money it's going to be quite a hard sell and mm-hmm. and it's just another week away from home uh and it's like do you want that yeah. like actually but some people I, I think are just really drawn to retreats and they just course, really yeah, want to course, create yeah. that experience and actually get a lot of joy out of it i'm not one of those people at all but i think mm. a lot of people just really do want to create like, that beautiful experience for I think people. when i first started teaching that as well i love being away for the sake of being away even mm. if i earn no money but i think times yeah. in life change yeah. don't they and actually like for me yeah. now every time i go away although it's enjoyable there's a cost I can't do my gardening yeah. or I can't be with my son if my <laughs> son can't come or mm. I have to actually not be regular. And actually the biggest tip I have for yoga teachers in terms of building their class and building their reputation uh, is just be consistent. Like Teach your classes with as much regularity as possible and avoid getting covered as much as possible. Yeah. I would love to know, and maybe yeah. as a as a last question, Jules. Um, obviously, a massive part mm. of what you do is is to guide people towards some kind of transformation on your retreat. How do you feel that you've transformed as a person over oh. your years? I know I like I always like to go a little bit deeper. How, oh. how do you how do you feel you've transformed as a person over the last few years of running your amazing retreats? Less aggressive, aren't you? You can <laughs> you can take that in whatever direction you want to. Adam. <laughs> well, the, when you say the last few years, obviously the last few years has been really hardcore, and I, I think that. Uh, I, like I came on your podcast in, I think it was March 2020. 20, it was March yeah. 2020. It's like literally three years ago. Three years ago oh, just wow. before yeah. we went into the pandemic. You're our third yeah. guest. Yeah. 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 And I came around to your flat in London, and I remember sitting there going, "Oh, you know, I've been through tough times before. I'm resilient." And it's, I think I said something like, "You know, when you go through the tough times, it's when you learn the most." Mm-hmm. And I just think I had no idea what was coming. And the last three years have been like a really, really deep learning process for me on every level. And I I think it's transformed me. It's quite hard to know. I mean, it's definitely transformed my business and how I work and how I feel about what I do. Um, I don't know how you measure personal transformation, but I know that I've changed um and for me you know at the beginning of the the pandemic it, it was already booked before the pandemic happened but i did a retreat design a travel design course 
with the Transformational Travel Council. So I actually spent the first few months of the pandemic doing this really powerful online course, looking at how you design trips for transformation, which I was already doing, but I didn't know that I was doing it. So that for me was me going, oh, okay, this is what we do and exploring what is transformation because everyone goes oh transformational this transformational that what is that is such a big word transformation can be just a small shift or a massive life change and so exploring that at the beginning of the pandemic was really powerful for me but also in the time that we couldn't really do retreats we started the NHS retreats which you were both part of that you know that was just started of let's do a retreat for people working in the NHS because they're having a really shit time right now understatement but that process has led to I think we're on our seventh or eighth retreat now and though I know it kind of sounds a bit strange but doing retreats doing what we do for people that were in that much distress and dealing with that much trauma and seeing the impact of what we do on that group of people was a life-changing thing for me to go, oh my God, we really know what we're doing. This is really good. We're really good at what we do. And how we all came together as a team and delivered that just went, okay, yeah, this is good stuff. And it really gave me a lot more confidence to say, this is what we do. This is what we're offering. Would you like to come? rather than before I felt like I was in like a service role and I feel like I've now got to a point where I'm a leader mm. and I'm saying look come with me like I'm, I, I, I've created this let's all go let's do it and and I'm confident now. I think I've got a lot more confidence in what we're doing mm. but in a not an egotistical way like oh aren't we amazing but more like this stuff really works I really get it now I understand that when people come on a retreat they are going to go through it along a journey. And it's such an honor to be able to create that rather than this is a holiday with some yoga and you're going to have a nice time. Nice. Like yeah, that is true, but it's so much more than that. So I guess my transformation has been really deeply understanding what I do mm. and really being really proud of it. That is so Amazing. lovely. I've got goosebumps. Quick fire. Oh. Yeah, quick, fast, yeah. quick fire. Yeah, quick. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, I don't like these. Fa a favorite location or one of them, one of the, the things to mind. Oh, oh, it keeps changing. Iceland. Iceland. I love Iceland so much. And Mongolia oh. is always top of my list, but Iceland feels like my second home. I love it there. Oh, glad I went there. Um, okay. Oh, so nice. Jules, what do you do for self care? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I go to yoga every day. No, um, I uh, go to the gym. I am gym person. I go three times a week. I've got a trainer. I work really hard at being strong. Amazing. That's at my age. That's kind of what I need to do. Um, I hang out with my friends um, and like do things that are nothing to do with wellness, basically, <laughs> just to get some nice. time out. Because yeah. I work. I work a sixty-hour week at the moment, and I have been for a while. And I'm hoping to shift away from that. Um, as we kind of balance out after this part, the pandemic madness, but self-care is me taking time away from work, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and then we have retreats this year. We've got one in Bath, haven't we? That we're doing together. Yeah, in, 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 our favourite. We love that one. Don't like we? a rural woodland one in Bath. What month is that? July. July. Obviously, got, the we... dates are etched in your mind, aren't they? We've got that in July. 
Uh, <laughs> there's, one, yeah. there's, one, there's one actually in Sicily that is not a reclaim yourself one, but one that you consulted for with a wonderful teacher called Tate England. Yes, that's, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then we've got we've sold have we sold out Finland later in the year? Yeah, is it one place? Well, one place left. So one place one in place Finland left. in November. December. Oh fuck! I thought it was close. December. Uh, December. Uh, but of course, you. Do... And what's what's particularly special about that one, Adam? The the Finland dogs. One? There are dogs. Yeah, that's <laughs> there's, yeah. There's husky dogs which you're really looking forward to. No, but it's the first time that Holly and your son are coming. So <gasps> uh, you are coming as a family yes. on your first claim. So it's first time for me that all three of you. Aww. So it's Sunny, Holly and Adam. So excited. Oh my God. Who's going to claim so, that last spot? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's be amazing. one last spot. We've got huskies, northern lights, snowshoeing. Oh. Crazy people can go in the lake, minus 10 or whatever. That will not be me. Saunas, loads of yoga and working with amazing Finnish um, local um, people, which is going to be amazing. But you do more than work with me. Uh, in fact, we need to talk about our future retreats. But <laughs> what else have you got going on? What other retreats you got going on? This year? Yeah. So this year, uh, our next retreat is in Japan. And then I'm off to South Africa and Namibia. And then we've got retreats in Scotland. We've got I've got an NHS retreat running in the Lake District. Uh, where else am I going? Faroe Islands. Iceland, Sicily, Greece, uh, what have I forgotten? India, Morocco, Morocco, Norway twice, Sweden, lots of Scandi countries. And yes, I've just started working on 2024. So I've got some proposals for you, Adam, Amazing. based on your previous choices. Yeah. And so where can people ventures. find where can people find you? Um, www.reclaimyourself.co.uk or on Instagram. I like, that, I like the fact that you said www. <laughs> Old school. www. Go on the interweb. And... <laughs> Go on the interweb. I'm fine with it. Did you Follow say your Instagram? Your Instagram is reclaim yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm reclaim yourself. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you can find me there. Thank you and so then, much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me three years later. I'll see you in another three years then. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm balanced.